A man sues immigrant women to force them to wax his genitals. Miss USA or Miss World USA dethrones Miss Michigan for refusing to wear a hijab. And a prime Me Too smear merchant accuses disgraced former Senator Al Franken's female accusers of lying. We examine how the left came to embrace misogyny. Then AOC endorses open borders and President Trump unveils the greatest new piece of merchandise of the 2020 campaign. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles and this is The Michael Knowles Show. So much to get to today. I did my best to avoid talking about this giant man who went into a lady's Brazilian wax salon and asked them to wax his unpleasant areas. And then they didn't want to do it because it's gross and he's a man. And now he's suing them out of their business. I tried not to talk about this story, not because I don't have thoughts about it, not because it's not important for the culture, but really just because I don't want to think about it at all. But alas, that's what we have to do here. So we will get into what that means and why the left has become so misogynistic. But first, let's talk about finding freelance talent for your business or project. Finding the right freelancer can be time consuming, it can be frustrating, it can be overwhelming to manage, and you don't know what you're going to get. Where do you go to find the talent? How can you be certain that they will deliver? Thanks to Fiverr Pro, finding the right freelancer doesn't have to be a struggle. I've used Fiverr for a really long time, much longer than The Daily Wire has existed, and it's because when you're working in politics and show business and campaigns, you need freelancers all the time. And Fiverr is just an incredible marketplace to go to. Fiverr Pro's marketplace connects businesses with hand-vetted freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including basically anything you need. Graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. You can search it by service, delivery time, price reviews, and more. It, it's sometimes really complicated, or it seems really complicated, to get freelance talent, but you can save time, money, and you know you're going to get a good product delivered when you use Fiverr Pro. You'll know exactly what you're paying for up front. There's no negotiation needed. No transaction is complete until you are 100% satisfied with the work that you receive. Fiverr's sellers have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world, and you are guaranteed to receive VIP customer support. I mean, I, I can't speak highly enough about Fiverr, Fiverr Pro. They just totally changed the game on finding freelance service that you can trust, customer service you can count on, and results you can be proud of all on one platform. We live in the gig economy, especially millennials and Gen Z. Embrace it. Use the best platform. Check out Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R. Dot com and you will receive 10% off your first order by using my code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Super easy. Don't waste any time. Get the service you deserve. Take five. Go to F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code Knowles. Fiverr.com, code Knowles. All right. Wish that ad read could have gone on for another 15 minutes so I don't have to talk about this gross story. But we do have to talk about it because it actually matters and it shows an aspect of the modern left that is really perverse and it's really anti-woman and I'll use the word, it's misogynistic. It exposes the left's disdain, contempt, hatred for women at the very bottom, at the extreme of this ideology. What's the story? It's a simple enough story. They're Brazilian immigrant women living in Canada who have a waxing salon. You've heard of what a Brazilian wax is. 
It's when you wax everything. Everything down there you wax and okay, this is for women. So a trans woman walks into the salon. Now the thing you'll know about trans women is they aren't women, they're men. So this giant dude walks into the salon and he says, I want a Brazilian wax. And they refuse him. They say, we're not going to do that. There are a couple reasons why. Uh, on the one hand, I mean, I guess this is the most important reason. We should not live in a society where men can go in to women's only places and force them to take the men's pants off and handle their genitals. That's a bad society. If your society gets to the point where you can go in, forcibly expose yourself to women and make them touch your genitals, you've gone wrong. You've lost the plot. You've lost the narrative. So that's the main reason. The other, there's also a technical reason why they had to refuse him because you can't give a Brazilian wax to a man because the, the area that you're waxing is different for men and for women. They have something, they refer to it, I think, as manzillion. <laughs> so that's the male version of this. But it, it is a different procedure. It involves different waxes. It involves different techniques. So even if the women were amenable to this idea, they might just technically not be able to do it because it's different, because men and women are different, because there's no such thing as trans women. There are just men who are confused about their gender or men who are wearing dresses or men who very much want to be the opposite sex than they are. I mean, that's really what we're arguing about here. And, and this shows the, the slippery slope of so-called compassion. I mean, the left would have you believe that it is compassionate to indulge people's delusions. There's something like 0.2% of the population that's confused about their biological sex. What the left tells you is, look, that small percentage of population, just indulge them. Tell the man in a dress that he's really a woman and, and just go along with it. What could go wrong? He's not hurting anybody. It's not hurting anybody. It is hurting these women. It's forcing these women who own a wax salon to be exposed to men and to fondle their genitals. That's harmful to women. Yes, it's not harmful to the man. The man probably likes it. The man is voluntarily going in there trying to get it. Not only is it harmful to the women in the experience of it, it's also forcing them out of business. So this, this woman, her business is over. I mean, it costs so much money after the guy files this, this civil complaint. What is the guy's name? The man formerly named Jonathan Yaniv. Uh, he now pretends to be a woman and his, his name that he goes by is Jessica Yaniv. He is not just a guy trying to get waxed. He is a well-known activist. And what he does, what his whole shtick is about is he goes into these female-only places and then he wants them to do intimate services on him. And then when they refuse to do it, he files complaints with the government. And then he tries to use the strong arm of the state, which has been totally perverted to harm women, uh, into forcing these women into dealing with his genitals. That's what's going on. I mean, this is why I've had people come up to me and they'll say, Michael, why do you even talk about the issue of gender ideology? I say, well, I talk about it because it's become a dominant cultural and political issue and presidential candidates are talking about it all the time. So as someone who's looking at politics and culture, I have to talk about it. They say, yeah, but why do you have to say that men can't be women? Who is it really hurting? Now, look, this is a very tangible example of who's being hurt by this ideology. 
But this isn't the reason. I mean, the, the reason to say that men are not women is not because a Brazilian wax shop owner gets hurt sometimes. The reason is because it is true that men are not women. And when you deal in lies, when you allow yourself to be taken in by fantasies, even if it seems innocent enough at first, who is it going to hurt? You're talking about 0.2% of the population. It's not a big deal. Forget about it. Even if it's, it's so tempting. I mean, that's the temptation to deal in lies. It's just a little white lie. It's just a little fantasy. It's easier. It's easier than dealing in the reality. But then you go down the line and all of a sudden, yeah, maybe these immigrant wax owners are, are going to be hurt. And then you go further down the line and what you now have in Canada and soon to be in the United States is men using the strong arm of the state to force women into seeing their genitals, to force women into very uncomfortable, abusive, bizarre, creepy, weird situations by the force of government. Touch this dude's genitals or lose your business. That's what the state in Canada told this Brazilian immigrant. So he's fi- this guy's filed 15 complaints with esthetician. This is the word, it's the word for beauty, like people who deal in beauty. Esthetician. Uh, he's, he's filed 15 complaints with this British Columbia Human Rights Tribunal seeking financial restitution and the discrimination that he claims is gender identity. The reason I say that this is coming to the United States is there are actually cases in the pipeline right now on their way to the Supreme Court that are going to pose this question to the highest court in the United States. In the United States and Canada and elsewhere, we have certain protections against discrimination. So we have protections against discrimination on race. We have some protections against discrimination on religion. And we have protections against discrimination on the basis of sex. This is the whole idea of Title IX, all these different uh, laws that were passed in the 1960s. So you already have laws against discrimination on the basis of sex. Now what they want to add is protections against discrimination on the basis of gender identity. But to have laws uh, protecting against discrimination on the basis of gender identity destroys the laws that protect against discrimination on the basis of sex. Here's a very simple version of this. Speaking of of, uh, Title IX, speaking of of all of these protections, particularly at schools, uh, you know, female sports in high school or in college. We have different sports for men and women and boys and girls in high school. And the reason is men are physically stronger than women and they're faster than women. And so if you had men competing against women in, let's say, high school track, the men are going to win. And the women are going to lose and then they don't get their scholarships and they don't get their trophies and they don't get to go to the championship. And really, they might as well not compete. So if you, you, that's why we have these protections on the basis of sex, and that creates female girls' high school track. The minute that you have a protection on the basis of gender identity, you no longer have the protection on the basis of sex because men are now allowed to compete in the girls' high school track. And guess what's going to happen? They're going to win. That's what we've been seeing happening in Connecticut. And there are cases now moving all the way up 
uh, in the pipeline of the courts that are going to have to determine this. Are we going to be a society that protects people on the basis of sex, or are we going to be a society that protects people on the basis of imagination, which is to say, does not protect women and does prefer men? That's the question that we're going to have to answer. And the left has embraced the gender identity. They're ignoring the sex now. They're done with sex. Sex was useful to them when they were dividing people up on feminism in the 1960s and 70s. Now that's over. They're talking about gender identity. Don't take my word for it. Take the words of the uh, Democratic candidates for president. We'll get to what they have to say in a second. But first, support for The Michael Knowles Show comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Finding the right house is not easy. And I would know that because I live in L.A. And in L.A., every house you want to buy is like $7 zillion. And every neighborhood is, you know, they're, they're so particular. However, once I do find a house, I can at least rest easy because finding the right mortgage will be easy too. Rocket Mortgage makes it easy. Their team of mortgage experts is obsessed with finding a better way. That means that their number one goal is to make the home buying process smoother for you. Industry-leading online lending technology developed in the heart of Detroit, Rocket Mortgage is changing the game. They make the home buying process work for you, and Rocket Mortgage is there with award-winning client service and support every step of the way. Their team cares about getting you home into the home of your dreams, and that's why Quicken Loans is ranked highest in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination nine years in a row, highest in mortgage servicing five years in a row. You know, people don't learn anything anymore. Any of the, they learn about like gender ideology and like ballet and all these, you know, super duper ballet scientific studies. They don't actually learn about practical things like getting a mortgage or doing your taxes. I don't know any of those things. Fortunately, Rocket Mortgage is there because Rocket Mortgage is more than just a lender. Get started online at rocketmortgage.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states, NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Push button, get mortgage. Simple as that. The left has made their choice. They're picking gender ideology as the new protected class, which means they are ditching sex as the old protected class. And they're doing it on their Twitter accounts and they're doing it at the uh, presidential debates. So three Democratic candidates for president have now added their preferred pronouns to their Twitter account. And obviously this is kind of just some silly virtue signaling to the woke left, but the premise of the pronouns, the preferred pronouns, is that it is entirely possible that they identify as a sex that is not their actual sex. The idea being, my name is uh, Michael Knowles. I have an Adam's apple. I have a pretty deep voice. I'm not a hulking Adonis of a man, but I'm at least recognizable as a man. Bone structure, that sort of thing. Other things too. I don't go into wax salon, so I won't get into it. It is entirely plausible under the pronoun, preferred pronoun regime, that I could say my preferred pronouns are she and her. And you would have to refer to me that way. That's what Elizabeth Warren is doing. She added she and her to her Twitter account. Actually, what she first did is add she and hers, the, the possessive of it, and she did it because she's just an old white boomer lady who really all she wants to do is be cool and woke and super hip, and she just isn't. You know, she's, she's like the mom on Mean Girls. I'm not a regular presidential candidate. I'm a cool presidential candidate, you know, but then she just gets it wrong. So she's edited that since. She now says she and her, not to be outdone, Bill de Blasio, who I completely forgot was in the presidential race, current Bolshevik mayor of New York, he added he and him 
which is so good. I was confused. I didn't know if I was going to call this like tough talking, tall New York mayor. I didn't know if I was going to call him a little girl or something. I was going to call him she. But he adds this too because he is, like Elizabeth Warren, always positioned himself as a far left-wing candidate and uh, on the progressive and woke side of the Democratic Party. But I have to say, they both got outwoked, Warren and Bill de Blasio. They got outwoked by Julian Castro, who said that his preferred pronouns are he, him, and el. Ooh, Spanish. Woke. That's so much more woke than those two white people. Those two knuckle draggers, they didn't even add a Spanish pronoun. L. There's, there is like a kind of esoteric message here, by the way, too, because L is also a, a word for uh, God. You know, like L, L, Allah, or L has, it means God. And uh, so I, I do like this idea that we are playing God when we are trying to say, I can recreate myself. I'm a man, but I will recreate myself as a woman. I have total power over my nature and my circumstances. I mean, that is the implicit premise that the left is talking about. And uh, it's coincidentally being expressed in those pronouns. But according, he, he, he has these preferred pronouns there. But even that wasn't woke enough. Even the Spanish pronoun wasn't work enough. Because according to the New York Magazine reporter, Olivia Newsy, this is what she tweeted out, quote, at a Planned Parenthood event, a non-binary activist, that's an activist who doesn't think that he's either a man or woman, he's some combination or neither, whatever. A non-binary activist just asked Castro how he'll expand sexual and reproductive health for trans people. Castro responds by first asking which pronoun the activist prefers. They replied, I actually don't use any pronouns, which received some applause. Ooh, I don't use any pronouns. So pretty soon, uh, Castro is going to have to delete those pronouns because the new woke thing, for the last five minutes, the woke thing has been to add your preferred pronouns, but pretty soon that is going to become bigoted and transphobic and homophobic and whatever phobic. And so now the new one is going to be erasing all distinctions whatsoever, which is what this is really boiling down to. Any distinction between any sort of human person is going to be wiped away. And we'll see what that means for women in just a second. But Castro is, is the vanguard. He is leading the way here. You remember in that first Democratic presidential debate when everyone else was endorsing abortion on demand, paid for by taxpayers, without apology, up until the point of birth. Castro took it a step further and he endorsed abortion for biological men. I don't believe only in reproductive uh, freedom. I believe in reproductive justice. And, you know, what that means is that just because a woman, or let's also not forget, someone in the trans community, a trans female, uh, is poor doesn't mean they shouldn't have the right to exercise that right to choose. And so I absolutely would cover the right to have an abortion. That's right. Woo! Yeah, you're endorsing abortions for men. I mean, this shows a little bit of his ignorance here because he wants to seem like the wokest candidate. So he says, I don't believe in reproductive freedom. I believe in reproductive justice. You say, well, Julian Castro, what's the difference? I don't know, but one sounds really serious. And then he says, we need to not forget about trans women. And I think what he meant to say was trans men, 
trans men is the term to refer to women who dress like men. And so obviously trans men, which are really just women, can still have babies because they have a uterus and they're women. But trans women cannot have babies because they're men. And in Canada, they can't get Brazilian waxes either because they're men. They can't, they're not women. He got that a little bit confused. Or he's endorsing abortions for men. I don't know which is worse. Point is, gender identity as a category is essentially a misogynistic idea because it erases women. I think now this is taught in schools as though it's just obvious that there is biological sex and gender identity and that those are totally separate. No, there is no such thing as gender identity. This is a completely fictional concept that is invented by misogynistic ideologues who are erasing women. The left talks about erasure, right? And I, usually they use it in a silly way. This is one example where it's true, where it's actually happening, where gender identity is erasing women. Gender ideology erases women. What is a woman? What is a woman? Just ask yourself that. I mean, anybody who embraces the gender ideology, just say, what is a woman? Well, I know that I'm a woman. Okay, how do you know that you're a woman? I just know deep down. Okay, well, I don't know that you're a woman. If you're a man who says you're a woman, how, am I, how can you convince me that you even know what it is to be a woman? What you're really saying then is that men have the right to define what it is to be a woman. Now, I'll give you a very basic answer of what is a woman. A, a person who isn't a man. I'll give you a, a definition of what a man is, is a person who isn't a woman sexual difference, the difference between men and women, is fundamental to who we are. That's why it appears at the very beginning of every creation story. Within the first chapters of Genesis, you have sexual difference. Eve pulled from Adam's rib, complementary to him. Different, but she complements him. Gilgamesh, sexual difference right in the beginning. There's a reason. This is essential to who we are. If there is no sexual difference, then there is no such thing as women, right? If there's no biological or spiritual or whatever kind of difference between the two types of human beings, then there's only one type. And you can call that type man, or you can call that type woman, or you can call that type whatever. But there's only one. There isn't that difference. So gender ideology seeks this kind of bizarre conformity, right? Now you might say, well, it's not just that it erases women. Maybe it actually preserves women and it erases men. You ever think about that, Michael? It doesn't. Because when you erase sexual difference, this naturally, I would, I would dare say inevitably, redounds to the benefit of men. How do I know that? Well, because we started to see that in the 1960s and 70s with second wave feminism. Second wave feminism, which rejected all traditional ideas of femininity, rejected all kind of traditional gender roles, but what did it do? In the name of women's liberation, it said that women had to just start behaving like men. Women couldn't stay at home. Women couldn't raise children. Women shouldn't have children really at all in many cases. Women should go work 100 hours a week. Women should compete in physical sports all the time. Women should be drafted to join the military. Women should do things that for perfectly natural reasons, men are more geared toward. When men and women compete physically, what happens? Men win, and women are erased. 
when men and women compete professionally, men often win. Not all the time. Not saying women can't be perfectly competent and expert professionals and extraordinarily ambitious and rise to the top of their fields. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that generally speaking, when men and women compete professionally, men win for natural reasons because men tend to be more professionally inclined, more professionally focused. They want to spend more time at work. They want to dedicate more of their mental energy to their jobs. They're more single-minded. They're, they're less able to keep track of lots of different things. They're, they're generally less organized. Men are generally less nurturing. And the biological fact is men are unable to conceive life. So women naturally can conceive life, and in most cases they want to conceive life, and they want to nurture, and they want to raise children. So there is a natural professional advantage to men. And feminism set the stage for this gender ideology by exalting traditionally male attributes over female attributes. Now, you know, people look at transgenderism and feminism as completely opposed to one another. In many ways they are. Feminism seeks to allow women to define what it is to be a woman. Transgender ideology says there's no such thing as men and women, and by the way, men can define what womanhood is. They seem opposed, except gender ideology is built on feminism. When feminism in the 1960s exalted every male attribute, male characteristics, male preferences, over traditionally, traditional ideas of femininity, gender ideology came in as the sucker punch at the end and finished off the job. And so you're in this very awful situation where men and women are now competing with one another. And it's, it's resulting in wax salons in Canada being shut down because women won't agree to fondle men's genitals, even if the men are wearing a dress. The traditional view, of course, is that men and women aren't supposed to compete. We don't compete with each other. Men and women are supposed to love each other. Men and women are made for each other. That statement is probably going to be banned as hate speech. I'm probably going to use, lose my YouTube channel because of that. But that's, that's the traditional idea. I'm not in competition with women. I love women. You know, the, the old line is there will never be a gender war because everybody's sleeping with the enemy. That's true. That should be true. But hatred of women and hatred of womanhood is on the rise on the left. You see it not just in wax salons in Canada. You see it not just in the, the presidential debates. You see it in the Miss World USA pageant. Miss Michigan, of, you know, it's a little confusing because there are like 20 different Miss Americas now. There's Miss America, Miss Universe, Miss World USA. So this one, the latter, Miss World USA, has stripped Miss Michigan of her crown. And the reason they did it is because she refused to wear the hijab. She refused to submit herself to an oppressive and alien religion's practices for women. She's not Muslim. She has no obligation to wear the hijab, and she objects to the hijab on religious and ethical grounds because it is used throughout the world as a tool of women's oppression. She's 20 years old, this girl. She is a conservative activist. She's a Trump supporter. Her name is Kathy Zhu. She's also a woman of color, to use the left's term. She is a Chinese immigrant. She came here at age five. She should check every box that the left is supposed to like, except the left increasingly hates women. I don't know if they're consciously hating women. I'm not accusing them of that. I'm saying the logical conclusion of their perverted ideology is re resulting in misogyny. It is saying you, 
a young immigrant woman of color, we will destroy your reputation and take away your job if you don't refuse, if you don't wear a foreign religious symbol of women's oppression. Think about how crazy that is. This is all in the name of wokeness. Here she is describing what happened. There's a try a hijab on booth at my college campus. So you're telling me that it's now just a fashion accessory and not a religious thing? Or are you just trying to get women used to being oppressed under Islam? Again? You yeah, you know. What would you like to say about that? You don't see how that could be offensive? Not at all. Um, they were, you know, the, I went past the booth. I was late for class already. They were saying, do you want to put on a hijab, putting it, you know, over me? I said, no, I don't want to. I declined uh, wearing this, you know, garment. I think that, you know, it's, it's really uh, rude, I feel like, to, to Muslims, too, that, you know, to wear their sacred garment on someone who isn't a Muslim themselves. You know, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to put, you know, a Catholic rosary on someone if they aren't Catholic. Right, but so that's I think, not you know, what you said. What you said, it wasn't that you felt badly for them that, you weren't Muslim. It's that you said, or are you just trying to get women used to being oppressed under Islam? Yes, there are, there the are so many women in Muslim countries right now who are being stoned to death because they don't want to wear a hijab due to their husband's um, requirement to do so. And I think that we should be focusing on that way more than um, the Western things about Muslim because, you know, there, there's so many bad things happening in Muslim countries because of these, you know, women and, and these women are being, you know, crucified for not wearing a hijab. And I think that's really, really awful. The hijab is used as a tool of women's oppression all around the world. She's completely correct. And this woman on CNN can't believe it. She's, she's shaming her for refusing to wear the hijab, a symbol of a foreign religion in which she doesn't believe used to put down women. Uh, we'll get to how this all comes together. I mean, what this really leads to in a very practical political way is the left, which has led Me Too now for how many years? is now coming back around and trying to vindicate, trying to exonerate leftist politicians who got caught up in the Me Too scandal. Shows it for just the absolute hack ideology that it is. We'll get to that in a second. Then we'll get to the best new piece of merch of the 2020 campaign. We'll get to AOC endorsing open borders. We'll get to everything. But first, next month, we are taking our backstage live show on the road for a special one night only event, August 21st at the incredible Terrace Theater in Long Beach, California. Who's it going to involve? Ben Shapiro, Daily Wire God King Jeremy Boring, Andrew Clavin, and most important of all, me. We will be chopping up the winners and losers of politics and pop culture. Best of all, we will be answering your questions from the audience. So make those questions good. Tickets are available at dailywire.com slash backstage. There are still a few VIP ticket packages available, which include pre premium seating, photos, and meet and greets with each of us. You'll get a gift from Shapiro, you will get even more than that. These are the best events of the year. As far as I know, this is the only one that we are going to do this year at Daily Wire Live. We did a couple last year with Ben, and they were just excellent events, and I, I still get to talk to some people that we met at that. It is a, a great way to, uh, to talk and figure out what you guys are thinking and come on out and see us. Head over to dailywire.com backstage and get your tickets today. Also, did you hear that sound? It's like bells chiming, birds singing. And that's because it's almost time for our next episode of The Conversation featuring the one and only bald bastion of brilliance, Andrew Clavin. Who the hell wrote this stuff? 
But no, he is. He is actually a, a very brilliant man. So you should, you should go over. Don't tell him I said that. Tomorrow, July 24th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, Drew Claven will be taking all of your questions, every query that is burned in your hearts, and he will answer them live on air. As always, the episode is free to watch on Facebook and YouTube, but only subscribers can ask the questions. So subscribe to The Daily Wire and get your questions answered by the supreme leader of the multiverse, Andrew Clavin, tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and join the conversation. Head over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back. So, Miss Michigan refuses to wear this hijab. She says it's a a tool of women's oppression. CNN mocks her for it. They smear her as some kind of bigot for it. They don't believe her. They won't accept it. Just just as a point of fact, women uh, within the last couple years have been lashed in Saudi Arabia for refusing to wear not just the hijab, but the entire abaya, that entire body cover. They've been lashed publicly for it. Last year, just in 2018, dozens of women in Iran were arrested for not wearing the hijab in just one roundup. How many other women have been arrested for it? I'm not against head coverings in general. I actually kind of like them. You know, uh, there's the image of Baptist women wearing gigantic hats to church. The Catholics have mantillas. I always love a nice mantilla, good veiled head covering. I'm not opposed to that. What I'm opposed to is lashing and stoning women for not covering their heads in public. I'm, I, I think that's bad. And that is what Miss Michigan is objecting to. And that's just too much for CNN. Because when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the wokeness of supporting feminism and the wokeness of supporting Islam, and that's the new fashion, the left is going to side with Islam. They're always moving the goalpost, aren't they? They're always chasing some new victim group, even if it means they have to throw the old victim group under the bus. We'll examine why. We'll see why in just one second. But first, the most egregious story on this front is about Al Franken. You remember Al Franken? Stuart Smalley from SNL. He was a cast member on SNL, and then somehow he got himself elected to the Senate from Minnesota. And then in the tumult of the Me Too era, he got thrown out because he apparently squeezed a couple women on the derriere on campaign stops. Actually, more than a couple women, according to the accusations. And he got, he got thrown out for that. Now, one of the leaders of the Me Too witch hunts, a woman named Jane Meyer, who would write with Ronan Farrow in The New Yorker, she has come out in The New Yorker to defend Al Franken, to try to exonerate Al Franken. You might remember that name, Jane Meyer, as one of the most egregious smear merchants against Brett Kavanaugh during his Supreme Court confirmation hearings. Here is Jane Meyer, who came up with a completely uncorroborated story about Brett Kavanaugh exposing himself one time in a dorm room at Yale at some party. And no no evidence of this whatsoever, no corroboration whatsoever. They publish it in The New Yorker. It was criticized by some of us at the time. And she goes on TV and says, no problem whatsoever. The New Yorker admits that they were unable to confirm with other eyewitnesses that Kavanaugh was even present at this party. Why did you print this story? 
Uh, we've got a woman who was a classmate of his at Yale who went on the record to describe her own experience here. And when we started to do more reporting on it, we found um, another classmate who remembers hearing about it that night or the next day. Oh, so the only corroborating witness, I can't even call him a witness, he's not a witness. The only person that sort of tries to corroborate this is someone who heard about it secondhand, so she's getting it thirdhand. Complete nonsense. She had heard rumors about Brett Kavanaugh and breathlessly reported it in The New Yorker with no proof whatsoever. Didn't even have the accounts, just hearsay. Now she's defending Al Franken in a new piece. It's about seven zillion words long. I mean, she clearly took her time on this. The case of Al Franken, a close look at the accusations against the former senator. She writes, quote, Franken's fall was stunningly swift. He resigned only three weeks after Leanne Tweeden, a conservative talk radio host, accused him of having fo forced an unwanted kiss on her during a 2006 USO tour. Seven more women followed with accusations against Franken, all of them centered on inappropriate touches or kisses. Half the accuser's names still haven't become public. Although both Franken and Tweeden called for an independent investigation into her charges, none took place. The implication, obviously, is that the women are lying. That's why they won't come forward. And Leanne Tweeden is lying because she's a, a conservative talk show host. Really rich coming from the woman who smeared Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not saying that Al Franken should have resigned or that the accusations against him are true. There is infinitely more evidence against Al Franken than there was against Brett Kavanaugh. There was nothing against Brett Kavanaugh. Some crazy woman said that he pushed her into a room 30 years ago and she changed her story five times and, and demonstrably lied to the Senate. And that's it. And then some other crazy woman came out of the woodwork and then she was, she was represented by Michael Avenatti. She was completely uh, disproven. So they tried to shut her up quickly. Then some other woman from Yale came out and said, what? I mean, you know, there was no corroboration, no witnesses. Nobody could tell you anything about that other than Jane, Me Jane Meyer hearing it third hand. You know, uh, Jane Meyer talks about how the, the main accuser against, against Al Franken was a, uh, a conservative talk show host. The main accuser against Brett Kavanaugh was a far left-wing activist who shut down all of her social media pages because she was constantly posting about how much she hated Donald Trump and hated conservatives. And that information was suppressed during the Kavanaugh debacle. Really, really rich. But she actually doesn't even evade the Kavanaugh comparisons. Jane Meyer, the hack that she is, goes right for them. Quote, the lawyer Deborah Katz, who has represented Christine Blasey Ford and other sexual harassment victims, remains troubled by Franken's case. She contends the allegations leveled against Senator Franken did not warrant his forced expulsion from the Senate, particularly given the context in which most of the behavior occurred, which was in his capacity as a comedian. Oh my gosh. She adds, all offensive behavior should be addressed, but not all offensive behavior warrants the most severe sanction. Katz sees Franken as a cautionary tale for the Me Too movement. To treat all allegations the same is not only inappropriate, it feeds into a backlash narrative that men are vulnerable to even frivolous allegations by women, says the expert in frivolous allegations by women, Deborah Katz. Absolutely outrageous. In the case of Al Franken, there is a photograph of him posing, about to grope a sleeping service member. None of that with Brett Kavanaugh. 
but, but they're hacks. I mean, Franken was forced out. Why was he forced out? Because he was replaceable in Minnesota, Democratic governor. They knew they could replace him with a Democrat. Forced out by Kirsten Gillibrand. She thought she could make her political bones on it. Only he knows what he did. If he really was groping women at every campaign stop, he should leave the Senate. Uh, but maybe the allegations weren't true. I don't know. We're in this Me Too madness moment. And, uh, you know, there, there are plenty of false accusations. It seems reasonable for him to have waited it out if he could have weathered it politically. But it's not reasonable for him to have waited it out when you've got absolute circuses like the, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. It's not reasonable to let Franken off the hook when the left is weaponizing sexual assault charges against men, not to the benefit of women, just to railroad their own political opponents. This is misogyny. The left is all for women's rights unless a Muslim man objects. The left is all for women's rights unless a man in a dress objects. The left is all for women's rights unless a male democratic politician objects. And like on so many issues, what is this about? It's a, it, it shows that the left doesn't care about women at all. They don't care about their nominal victim classes at all. Particularly with gender ideology, they seem to hold women in contempt. More broadly, what the left does is they, they use victim groups. In many cases, they create victim groups to divide, to lie emotionally, to, to lie and emotionally manipulate them into voting for them, into the, their political purposes. And then when another shiny object comes along, they ditch the previous victim group. I don't use the phrase misogyny lightly, but this is contempt and disdain for womanhood, for women, and for the feminine. Conservatives have a unique opportunity to speak out on this. The way to speak about it, by the way, is to speak from the perspective of beauty, of love for women, not from the, necessarily from rights or some political doctrine, but from beauty. You know, conservatives have an advantage when it comes to speaking about beauty on the left, because the left is this rationalistic, cold, clinical, materialistic cult of politics. Conservatives are, are romantics, basically. We see the beauty and complexity of the world, and we like it. We like the diversity of the world. Edmund Burke, uh, the great founder of modern conservatism, he was a, an aesthetic philosopher too. Not an aesthetician though, and he never had to wax any dudes in a dress. Conservatives get beauty better than the left, and I think we can convince people with a little bit of joy and by showing them the beauty of this world instead of this crazy scolding nonsense. You know, the left is imploding on this. They are embracing the least popular ideas in the country, and they are, they are just trying to shame people and cower people into voting for them out of fear. Here's AOC at a campaign event of hers embracing completely open borders. I think uh, migration to me is liberation. It's the ability to move and be. It's the freedom to be, really, is what we're talking about. And I think that all people should be free to be here and in our communities. Um, because I think that I, when you start viewing human beings as intrinsically valuable, you feel blessed that they have come to you with their presence. And that's really, I think, the shift that we need to make as a country. It's the shift, free to be. She's like, a, like Dr. Seuss without the talent. We're free to be, to be, to me to cross into the border illegally. <laughs> but we're not going to make it illegal. We're going to completely decriminalize uh, border crossings. This is very unpopular. 
President Trump knows this. He knows how unpopular this is. At the last debate, every single candidate on that Democratic stage endorsed free health care for illegal aliens. All their hands go up. Raise your hand if, gover- if your government plan would provide coverage for undocumented immigrants. Okay. Let me start with you, Mayor Buttigieg. Why? Mayor Buttigieg, why? Because our country is healthier when everybody is healthier. Okay. All right. Every hand goes up. Everyone. Do you know how popular that proposal is? Uh, there's a new poll out right now from NPR, PBS NewsHour, and Marist, which shows that just 33% support health care for illegal aliens of all Americans. Reparations, which is another policy the Democrats are almost universally endorsing, just 27% of Americans support that. How many people do you think support making immigrant women wax salon workers, uh, wax the male genitals? How many people do you think support that? Like two people in the whole world? How many people do you think support taking scholarships away from high school girls because they're going to force them to compete against men in, in track? How many people do you think support taking away Miss World USA's, Miss Michigan's crown because she refuses to submit to the hijab? Like two, this is the least popular stuff on earth. And Trump knows this. I remember he did this during the campaign in 2016. They were trying to cower him into saying, uh, to not using the word anchor baby. And they said, that word's offensive. And, you, and Trump said, what do you want me to use? And the guy, he said, oh, you know, future American dreamer, undocumented dreaming. Trump looks at him like he's stupid. And he says, you know, I think I'm going to stick with anchor baby. And I, people react to that. And he's back. The best piece of merch in 2020, it, Trump is now selling plastic straws on his website. Because I don't know about where you live, but where I live here on the left coast, it's now illegal. You can't have straws. You can only have those paper straws that turn into goop within two seconds of whatever you're drinking, and they don't work. President Trump is now selling. Trump straws, pack a 10, and here's the description. Liberal paper straws don't work. Stand with President Trump by your pack of recyclable straws today. This is brilliant. Same with the pronouns. It's an apparently trivial thing, but it actually stands for so much. It is so much in the way of premises. And this is what I think people are reacting to. I mean, this is what I suspect people are reacting to. What kind of government tells you what straws you're allowed to drink your coffee out of or your Coca-Cola? What kind of overbearing government, what kind of absurd government thinks that plastic straws are the biggest problem in the world worth the strength of the state and suppressing people's freedom? What kind of sick government goes in and forces immigrant women to fondle men's genitals because the men say so? What kind of sick government does that? What kind of sick government comes in and says, open borders, anybody can come in? I don't care what you people think. I don't care what you people want. That's this fantasy, this leftist fantasy, which has now, ironically, the left prattles on about the war on women. The left has become misogynistic because they ditch their old victim groups. They just move on and embrace further fantasy after fantasy after fantasy. What President Trump is doing is he's not campaigning on some broad healthcare proposal. He's not campaigning on some really specific tax proposal that all the wonks at all the think tanks have, have uh, passed approval on. He's campaigning on, hey, immigrant women shouldn't have to wax men's genitals. Hey, 
You should be able to drink your Coca-Cola out of a straw. Hey, we should be able to have borders because this is a country. It's campaigning on the most basic elements, the most basic intuitions of a people in a, in a free self-governing society. But in this bizarro fantasy land of extreme leftism, none of that is permitted anymore. And it's, uh, so when President Trump says very basic things such as that, it's deemed politically incorrect. And I, I think he's, he's got his uh, finger on the pulse of the people in this way. The only question is, can he keep his foot out of his mouth long enough to not offend those who might be able to come over and, and be his allies? Because the way that conservatives are going to win is not by talking in some highly technical egghead kind of terms. It's going to be by talking about basic things, goodness, truth, beauty, those, those basic intuitions and longings we have. Right now, we're doing it well. And, uh, and if the Democratic primary debates are any indication, I think we're going to keep doing it well going into 2020. But we'll have to see all more tomorrow in the meantime. I'm headed to D.C. I'll be speaking at TPUSA, and I'll be speaking at YAF, and I'll be hanging around the Capitol. So come say hey if I see you around there. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Rebecca Dobkowitz and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio is mixed by Dylan Case. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, President Trump signs off on a debt-breaking budget deal. Democrats make more grand promises, and a transgender woman says it's time for you to wax his balls. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show.